everybody, and welcome to the Backlog Battle Podcast. This is Alex. And this is Daniel. That was a little bit delayed, but I, I think I think we're, we're going to be okay. I was kind of concerned because like, there's like silence. And then this is Daniel. I'm like, okay, we're this is the first oh, time. Come on. You're really going you're gonna, to like critique like the, the slight pause that no no one else was going to notice you you're the one that decided to point it out and now you put it in you put it in everyone else's heads look as with most things here in the backlog battle podcast like things are gonna go out the way that they're supposed to and there's gonna be minimal editing because that's just how it goes on the show and before we kind of continue on going out speaking of going out speaking of going out um i have like a very special announcement especially for the people who are listening to this and you know have still been subscribed to this feed since we kind of went off the air like last year right like i want to say like it's been about a year officially since we actually stopped doing the podcast right daniel yes it's yeah. it's been about that amount of time yeah. and uh if if you're surprised to hear this you know i'm i'm glad you're happy to hear us again you know and you're like oh my god they they actually fucking did it again like hey we're here yeah yeah like we did like that one off like covid podcast and stuff which yeah yeah we know. did that yeah. that was fun that was yeah. fun a lot of people like really enjoyed that one and i i actually got like uh dms from people thanking me and you actually for doing that one-off episode and you know for the longest time you know over the past several months a lot of people been asking like are you guys even gonna come back you know like is the show dead like as in dead dead like you you know you guys sang baka mitai in that one episode and stuff but really anybody who sang baka mitai you know doesn't really you know kind of stay gone forever you know you think about like how many times kiryu has really? sang buck i mean think about it how many times has kiryu sang bakamitai and he's always back right i mean maybe that's a bad example but like think i, I, yeah, think I like, mean he's not the main character of of uh <laughs> you know like a dragon you know i mean he's I in mean, the game but he's not he's not the protag anymore y- yeah yeah I, yeah and that's kind of like what i what people are kind of hinting at and and i want to say you know to be clear this is the first episode of a brand new season of Backlog Battle Podcast. So, yes, we're back, actually, officially. So, you know, applause. Yay! I, 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 if, if I'm trying to applaud really loudly or really quietly, it's also because I have these a pair of, like, brand new, like, noise-canceling headphones. So I may be too loud. I may be too soft. I can't figure yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I, I had headphones on as well. So I did, like, a tiny little golf clap, and I'm like... Nobody probably heard that, but whatever. Whatever. Like, well, let's pretend that we clap. Maybe maybe I'll do, like, sound effects and add the clapping there. Because I actually did that in the Backlog Battle Awards show. Um, not really, like, clapping. I was considering doing clapping. But, like, I just, had, I just added this swoosh sound every time, you know, like, the categories and stuff, like, kind of zoomed in and stuff. So, you know, kind of you know, gives that a little effect. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's the just... Texture. Yeah, exactly. A little bit of texture. But before we continue, though, Daniel, yes. like, um, you know, it's it's great seeing you again. Obviously, it's been and it's not like as though we stopped talking like over the well, past. I was, no months. way. I was about to say we definitely haven't stopped talking. And no. <laughs> a, a big a big reason for that's going to come up later. But no, like even even outside of what we're going to talk about, we've been talking to each other, you know, pretty regularly you know period like that yeah. we we haven't we haven't stopped being 
uh, chatty with each other. Yeah, no kidding. And I and I feel like, you know, there have been moments where I was thinking to myself, like, man, you know, this would have been a great podcast episode. <laughs> but, you know, but I feel like to- I feel like that's like a lot of our calls where we're just like talking shit or talking shop or, mm-hmm. you know, just talking about whatever. And it's like, man, if there was an audience, people would have really liked that. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And so, you know, like I said, this is the first episode of the new season of the Backlog Battle podcast. I've kind of decided mm-hmm. that each of the different names of the shows that I've given over the past several years are the season names. So, for example, in the previous run of the show, we called it For the Love of Video Games. And I felt like that that felt more to me as a great subtitle and a name of a season as opposed to like the new name of the podcast kind of like how i've been trying to market it right so right. for for this season i'm calling it what uh what our slogan is for backlog battle the new slogan which is discover play together and i'll probably elaborate on that you know later on when we talk about that sort of thing but i think the most important thing that i want to you know talk to you about is that even though the the backlog battle podcast is back unfortunately this is also the last time that you're going to be a regular on the show, right, Daniel? Yes. Yeah, that's right. So to to be clear, um, that's not to say that we've closed the door on me entirely. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely possible that I'll jump back in as a guest in the future, you know, for an episode here or there. But yeah, as you say, I'm not, I'm not going to be the co-host anymore. Mm-hmm. And the main reason for that, apart from you being busy and stuff, you're a part of two podcasts already ever since we started chatting. And, you know, yeah. you have you have a lot of personal projects in 2021, right? Yes. So I, I finally, uh, so, you know, this is funny because someone commented about it and I thought that that was really cool. But someone was like, oh, my God, I remember you talking about making this hysteria video on the backlog battle podcast and here it is so Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, um that's still ongoing because that's like a multi-part like video series Mm -hmm. uh part part three is in the works part four is in the works and you know then that will wrap that up Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah i'm also i'm also working on a few other projects i have uh some scripts that are in the works i have a script for uh Silent Hill 4, the perversion of personal oh, space. Love that. Yes. Uh, I have another script in the works for uh, Lisa the First. It's going to be an analysis and full commentary of like most of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have um, a video about the Scott Pilgrim graphic novels. And that one's called Finding myself in scott pilgrim and it's basically me talking about how i'm begrudgingly you know uh like realizing that there are elements of scott pilgrim that i relate to and how i'm not really comfortable with that and (laughs) uh how like yeah the video is basically me partly analyzing scott pilgrim partly like a personal anecdote of like stuff that happened to me and why I related to Scott and, you know, and, and talking about like how this resonated with me. So that those are all like the big stuff that I'm working on. Yeah. As, as y'all can hear and see, I'm hoping that um, 
by the time this is released, we've actually figured out the YouTube situation because Daniel, this is actually going to be po- posted on YouTube. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah, I remember when we used to like have a weird relationship with YouTube as far as the podcast was concerned. Sometimes we 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 put up full episodes and then we tried just doing clips and then we just said fuck it. We didn't do it at all. So it was like, yeah, it, it was just like all over the place because it was it was hard to to know like how we should utilize youtube in relation to the podcast and yeah hopefully this time we have a better footing for that or at least you do you know yeah i mean i've figured out a way and i am hoping that once you know all everything is said and done you know like i can just you know easily export something into a video format and then boom shakalaka it's on YouTube as video, but I'm not going to hype it up because obviously this is the first episode back. And I think really what you guys want to do is really listen to us talk about video games. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So for the next however many minutes, we're going to do exactly that and, and make the most out of Daniel being here for the last time. No, not, not really not last. last time. How do you not say really that the then? Last. Oh, no, not the last time. Well, yeah, I, I like, just like I literally just said though, like, oh, you could you can invite me back on. I will be back on if you want me back on. Okay, well, yeah, of, of course, not I a want regular you back on. anymore. Okay, so last time being a regular, yeah, is that that's okay. more accurate? That's more, more accurate. accurate. Good, 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 good. I, so I, I feel I feel like Tony Sirico on The Sopranos right Jesus. now because so yeah, I've been watching that, and there's this funny story. There's this funny story. Let me get this out real quick, as I just need okay. to get this out. Where um, he plays a character named Polly Walnuts, and on the show, a different character was talking about Polly. This isn't even his own line. This is another character talking about his character, and the and the guy went like, "Ah, oh, I never liked Polly. He was a bully." And the the actor Tony was so mortified. He was like, "No, Polly is not a bully. I, I you you changed that line." Then they they were like, "Okay, what if we?" What if he calls him a psycho instead? And he's like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> what? So he was not okay with his character being called a bully, but he was totally okay with him being called a psycho. I, I, there are characters in Cobra Kai that, can, that will probably relate to that, which is, the, which is, by the way, the show that I'm watching with my wife, which is so good. So which, good. Which 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 you are watching because of me. Yes, yes, it's it's because of you as well. You know, although to be fair, one of our FC mates in Final Fantasy fourteen has proclaimed the glorious bounty that is, you know, Daniel San and Johnny Lawrence's relationship. So although to be fair, you were really pushing the whole Cobra Kai aspect like quite a bit. You know, you were like, you know, I th- I think what was the exact words you said? It has no right to be as good as it is. Is that, am I yeah. quoting you correctly? Okay. That is correct. That is, exa- that is pretty much what I said. And Jenna, your, you know, especially your wife, she picked up on that and she said that was what she needed to hear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Ready to give the show a shot because exactly. Because conceptually, conceptually, you think about it and you're like, there's no way this show's going to be good. It's a freaking random, like, sequel to like the karate kid in mm-hmm. present time like how is that going to be good and yeah. it is yeah man somehow you know, they fucking did it <laughs> you know we're like 
seven episodes into season three and then we hit the brakes because we're like you know you know if we watch the last three episodes we're not gonna have cobra kai for the next several months <laughs> and we're like you're, shit I, I love that i love that you're shit. like you're so into it because it's so good you don't want to finish it because you want to leave yourself with more <laughs> yeah you know the funny thing too is that it's actually made us think of going you know like i think we also talked about this uh on discord like it's made us actually go back and watch the previous two movies at this point you know and it's also made me and this is where the video games are going to come in it's actually made me think about my experience with the karate kid one and two on the nes oh yeah yeah there there was an old nes karate kid wasn't made made by atlas it was made by Atlas? Yes. You're kidding. I did not know that. No. So, okay. So, The Karate Kid was published under the LGN, LJN line of games, which is actually... Oh, yeah. La- laughing, joking, numb nuts. <laughs> well, that's... I think... I want to say, wasn't LJN also like a branch of like Konami at the time? Am I remembering this? No, that was Ultra Games. So, LJN no, yeah, was... Something... No, yeah. Yeah. Ultra yeah, games, you're right. Yeah, something completely different. So, but also like LJN and, and Atlas kind of worked together already before with like Friday the Thirteenth, the game. They also made that game, by the way. And so, I just remembered Weird. recently. Yeah, I just remembered recently that they made the Karate Kid game. And for the longest time, like ever since started watching like Cobra Kai, I, I've been tempted to make a video on uh, like you know, like the Karate Kid one and two, and kind of you know almost jokingly um lead you know kind of describe it as like a long lost atlas classic like with the thumbnails and everything you know like showing like shin megami tensei like all these other things and then just lead into karate kid but i'm like thinking to myself how the hell do i do that you know with a thumbnail because I, I always want to represent the games using the thumbnail. Was, am I just going to put a silhouette of like a random SMT character, just like a black thing, and then just say like, you know, like an Atlas hidden gem or something, and then talk about, and then lead into like, hey, surprise, we're actually going to talk about Karate Kid 1 and 2 for the NES. Talk about Karate Kid on the NES instead, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This you, is, got, you got punked. Yeah, you got, you got punked, and then you and should then you, no, you should you should do that for an April Fool's video, like April first. But like you know, Karate Kid is so fresh right now, though. Like especially with the Cobra Kai season out, you know that that's why I, I, like, and also like I'm really passionate about it, right? And you know, I do have really fond memories of that game. I did finish it, and a lot of people kept t- keep telling me like, oh, it's an impossible game to finish, and I'm like thinking to myself. No, I just borrowed a copy from a friend and I finished it like, I mean, it took me a long time. It took me like a little bit over a month, I think, if I remember, but I did finish it. I think people are just, I think people say that just because of the angry video game nerd episode on it. So they just Mm. assume, they just assume that the game is impossible when, you know, part of the shtick of the angry video game nerd is to play up what's Mm. wrong with the game. Like, you know, James Rolfe has come out and said like, for, you know, for a good, not all of them, obviously, but like for some of the games, he says that he over exaggerates how bad they are because that's part of the joke, right? Like mm-hmm. the joke is that this guy is getting way too mad and obsessed with these old video games when he really shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the angry video game nerd role, right? The character, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
And sometimes people forget that that those are characters. I, I think especially with AVGN, though, it's pretty obvious that this is a character, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's not like when you see how James Rolfe is on his own, just like just being himself, like. It's so blinding. Like, like, yeah, of course this is like this is a character. Like, James is such like a chill, like cool dude, and like the AVGN is just like a, a psychopath. Like, yeah, a sociopath maybe. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe. So okay, yeah. So now that we've regaled you with tales of Karate Kid and Sopranos, which Sopranos did have a video game, right? Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes, it did. Did you look uh, it up? I've seen some videos about it. I've never like played it. I have no real interest in playing it, but it it it, it exists. Oh my goodness! It just it doesn't look very good. I, I yeah, I would, it actually looks yeah. really bad. I mean, I would imagine it's you know it's it's a cash in kind of game. I would imagine like like think of it this way like. Games based on movies were usually pretty bad. This is a game based on a TV show, mm-hmm. which has a significantly less budget by comparison. So, yeah, it's probably like, at least based on what I've seen, it looks fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I thought I thought so. I just needed to confirm it and hear it from your, you know, firsthand account. To see if it if well, it was real. more like secondhand, more like secondhand. Okay. Sure, sure. Because I never, I've only seen videos of it. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so, it, it it looks awful. <laughs> so I think this is the part of the podcast where we just spend the next forty fifty minutes talking about Final Fantasy fourteen, right? I suppose so. Since you just <laughs> laid it out so cleanly like that. I mean, okay. To to be fair, a, a few months ago. When I was talking to Daniel about the idea of bringing back the podcast, he jokingly said that, well, that's going to be easy to talk about because, like, the only thing that we're going to be talking about is my experience with Final Fantasy XIV, correct? And I'm like, I, at the time, I wasn't even, like, sold on the idea, but I'm like, sure, I, I guess we can do that if you want to. So that's why I let, let in with that because, you know, you're knee-deep into that game at this point. Well, I, I say that, but, like... I guess 300, 400 hours later, yes. <laughs> but but you're not even, like, caught up to the story. Um, no, I'm not. I'm, like, just about to begin uh, Stormblood. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just... I'm just there. Like, the, like so just so people who, who don't know, who haven't played the game, the way that it works is uh, when you first start the game, you have a Realm Reborn, and then after you see credits... A Realm Reborn is technically not finished. You mm-hmm. still have a quests afterwards that um that kind of act as okay, we're they're they're tying up a few loose ends here and there that were not resolved, and then they're also slowly leading into what's gonna happen next. So uh think of it as kind of like an epilogue of a realm reborn and a prologue to the next expansion which is heaven's ward so i've done a realm reborn i've done those the the post they're they're typically called post patch quests i've done all that i finished heaven's ward and now i am in the post patch quests of heaven's ward leading into stormblood and the game has already like teased like 
I just saw this uh, Oriental character, like this samurai dude that came to to uh, Eorzea. And, you know, the game's already like, like, ah, ah, you're going to be seeing more of this soon. So <laughs> that's, yeah. that's basically where I'm at. Okay, that's that's really cool. Um, I don't really know where to go from here because, honestly, I can talk about Final Fantasy XIV all day. It's just that I, I'm reluctant to kind of um, lead the charge, if you will, because I don't want us to go into any sort of spoiler territory that might clue you in on what's going to happen right, in the right. next two expansions and the post-patch, the, the, the patch in between. So no, yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess I'll say that you were the one that really pushed me to play this game. Mm -hmm. And another friend of mine named uh, Codex uh, Ryan Seals. Uh, it was you and, and and them, and it was it was like okay, both of my friends are are like really adamant about this. The free trial that was also around the time when the free trial got bumped up, like really got mm -hmm. beefed up because for the longest time the free trial was, I think up to level thirty or thirty five mm -hmm. or something like that. Thirty five, yeah. And then you know well, when I finally started playing, it got beefed up to okay, it's now all of a realm reborn and heaven's ward, and you can level up to level sixty, and that's when I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. That's pretty damn good. I can't I can't really argue with that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, okay. That that's enough to, for me to give the game another shot cuz cuz I did try giving it a shot before. Mm -hmm. And um I don't rem I like it wasn't a particularly positive or negative experience that first time we were playing it together. I I just remember going like, okay, whatever, I'm just I, I remember you had me doing like a lot of kind of like these fetch questy type of things you were telling me to go around town and to mm -hmm. like give this guy a potion and or you know pick up some stuff and it was these and i was i remember thinking like oh i just want to see what the combat is like mm -hmm. and then when i finally did like since the combat in the beginning is so there's not much to it i remember just going like oh there's really uh eh, combat's just kind of eh. mm -hmm. so i was i was i remember that first experience of the game left me kind of like eh, whatever no, I, I mean, it's it is kind of sad because like during that time when I did ask you to try it out, admittedly, like, you know, you can't really see what the game offers until you hit the later, like even at, at least even at level 50, I feel like, you know, when you get there, it doesn't really kind of show what it's what the game is capable of from a storytelling perspective, because a lot of those quests after realm reborn were like you said earlier you know things to clean up what happened in a realm reborn like things to address like loose loose ends and stuff like that but then you know to be fair you also said that there is a prologue to the next expansion within those those patches and so yes. i think what you know and correct me if i'm wrong here like even even when we hit level 50 with the ex the newly expanded free trial you were still kind of like you know iffy about it at the time right because you were literally like oh maybe i'll just play until like i hit max level and like heaven's word and then maybe i'll buy the game you know like do you remember that yeah. conversation yeah i was i remember being pretty like on and off about like oh maybe i'll buy the game maybe i won't because uh 
to be pretty blunt, the story of A Realm Reborn itself was standard. That's like the best way I could put it. It was just a very straightforward, um, no nonsense, just uh, you're the hero, they're the bad guy, that's it kind of story. You know, you, mm-hmm. you. I will say one thing I really did like about the story of A Realm Reborn, especially in retrospect is that you create your own legacy. Um, mm-hmm. You you start off as a just a nobody. You're literally no one. But uh, by the end of A Realm Reborn, you're looked at as a hero. And it feels earned because mm-hmm. you, um, you're fighting the, the primals and you're, you're doing all this stuff. And it's all gameplay. None of it is just like, oh, a cutscene happened mm-hmm. and uh, your, your character did something cool and you know you nothing like that like actually your character doesn't do anything cool in cutscenes mm-hmm. all the cool stuff that your, the characters talk about is stuff that you yourself do in the gameplay mm-hmm. all those primals that you slay that was you you destroyed yeah. them in the boss fight and mm-hmm. uh that was something that I really appreciate about the story of a realm reborn but outside of that the story for the most part was just yeah, you're the you're the hero of light. Mm-hmm. Um, you're the you're Heidelin's chosen one. Heidelin is like the god of of Eorzea. Um, and uh, you 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 got to go up against the Imperials. the The Imperials are the bad guys, and mm-hmm. you just got to defeat them because you know they suck. And like, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, right? Like, so. You know, to kind of even give a little bit more context as to what you're saying, you know, it, in a way, the first 50 levels of A Realm Reborn are kind of coddling you and and really kind of making you realize, like, what is the world around you, right? Like, so, um, for example, when you start the game, depending on the class that you picked, you're either starting Gridania, Limsa Lominsa, or Ulda, three different towns. But mm. even if you start in any of those towns, eventually like right around level uh, 14 or 15 or so, you'll be exposed to the kind of social ills and challenges that each city has, right? Like, you know, for example, the pirates of Limsa Lominsa have a Sahagin problem. Uh, you know, like the old the Oldons have like a different kind of problem and also a lot of refugees from this place called Alamigo. Um, you know, the Gridanians are kind of hippies and stuff who are surrounded by magic who are also have their own kind of beast tribe problems and their own challenges within, you know, like within their own city. And you get to experience that. Um, within pretty much like the first 20 levels of the game and then later on they layer on top of that the primal problem you know and then they layer on top of that the garlean problem and so it's it's a slow introduction to the lore of the world and i think what what's interesting about this you know this first 50 levels if you will is that you don't know when you're when they're going to force you to remember all this information you know, because there's a because 50 levels, it's, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot, especially for an MMO. But they're giving you the building blocks for the story within A Realm Reborn. Because, correct me if I'm wrong again, because, I, again, I'm, I'm trying to remember a lot of the story beats from, like, when I first played in 2014. And, of course, you know, Heaven's Word was, like, 2016. So I'm literally, like, trying to remember, you know, a, a content from, like, four or five years ago. Um they use some of that in Heaven's Word, right? Like some of that knowledge. Well, yeah, I mean, you still fight 
primals in uh, in Heaven's Ward. Mm-hmm. It's not as if you you exit a realm reborn and then like you know you need to forget everything you knew. Like yeah, mm-hmm. it, it all kind of builds on. T- I would I kind of describe it like this, where like I I, I would say that a um, realm reborn is like an extended introduction to mm-hmm. Final Fantasy fourteen. Yeah. Like it it it's it is there almost primarily to establish all of the foundations of of what you need to know all the world building mm-hmm. all yep. the like you know all the different factions and all all the terminology all the lingo like all of that is stuff that you learn during a realm reborn it, mm-hmm. it you know it's very functional in that regard and it's obviously got its own negatives right like you know when they actually um made the extended free trial uh they also kind of collapsed a lot of the main story of a realm reborn and made it a bit shorter which to me was actually very interesting watching you go through it because you went through that main story at a pretty fast clip you know yeah so i heard that not only did they uh reshuffle some of the quests but they also went out of their way to boost the amount of experience points that you gained per quest for the for the msq msq standing for main story quest by the way mm-hmm. um from what i've heard um like let's say you tried playing the game beforehand uh before they they rebalanced things and you tried to uh just like let's say you didn't try to go out go out and do other quests or you you only focused on doing the main story you would be hit multiple times with um with these locks because you had to be a certain level in order to progress in the story. But they rectified that by giving you a nice XP boost uh, per quest. And that also expediated things. It, it, it helped, especially for newcomers, you know, it made it a lot easier to, to get through the main story. Yeah. And you still have to go through the slog of the, of the Rome Reborn story, but at the very least, you're not going to be locked out with levels and stuff. Like, you can just breeze through that if you want, you know? And, you know, again, it's not to say, like, the story of a Rome Reborn was like, oh my god, what a, what a fucking travesty. Like, it, it wasn't anything <laughs> like, like that, you know? And I, and I don't mean to imply that there wasn't anything good about it. Like, there are certainly really good moments, mm-hmm. um, and there's, there are some interesting stuff that happens, um, but it's like I said before, where it's just that the majority of the story isn't especially engaging. Uh, and the reason why I stuck with it was, for one, I kept hearing how good the expansions were. And mm-hmm. also, I, and, and I, I also just started to find the gameplay itself inherently enjoyable. Mm-hmm. From a so, kind of interesting, relaxing standpoint, in a way, like, and I'm not saying that you know there's no kind of you know stressful situations where you need to dodge and do all that sorts of stuff, but like, there's a you know like given that a lot of uh you know your the gameplay, especially if you're a damage dealer, has everything to do with it, pressing buttons in a very specific you know kind of priority and stuff, and it's almost kind of relaxing in a way, you know. I think like. Was that some? Wasn't that something that you used to describe the combat? Like at some point, I'm trying to remember. Um, I don't know if I. I don't think I'd say the combat feels relaxing. Um, uh, because maybe in the early game, in the early game, I probably would say it feels more relaxed, and that's just because there's less 
actions for your character. There's less abilities. There's less things for them to do. So in mm-hmm. that sense, it is more relaxed just by virtue of there being less to think about. But the mm-hmm. more, I think the more that you play the game, the more moves you learn, you have more uh, utility. You start to understand better what your character is capable of, what they should and should not be doing. Then it, it does, it's not, it's no longer relaxed. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it becomes more, uh, thumb Kung Fu. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you because know, I play primarily as a dragoon and as a dark knight. Those are my two main classes, and mm-hmm. sometimes I I also like playing a samurai a bit, um, but mainly dragoon and dark knight. And especially the dragoon, I find myself having to, um, uh, like I'm I'm juggling these different rotations where like I I do one string of attacks, and then uh, for one situation I do another string of attacks for a different situation. And uh, the the way that the combat works is that it tries to it took this took me a while to figure out, but it's trying to get you to uh, use different types of moves in conjunction with each other because mm-hmm. there's certain moves that you do that work on a global cooldown, and I think it's the cooldown is something like two and a half seconds or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And then there are other moves that you have that work on their own dedicated cooldown. So like you'll have a move that no matter what, it takes like 10 seconds to cool down or, you know, five Mm. seconds or, you know, whatever it might be. So what the game is actually incentivizing you to do is to go back and forth between these two different types of, of abilities that use these two different types of cooldowns. Mm -hmm. And once you figure that out, then it becomes a matter of like, oh, okay, so I'm going to do this attack and this attack, switch over to this type of attack, go back to the other type of attack, or mm-hmm. sometimes not even attack, it's a buff where you, mm-hmm. uh, you, you debuff the enemy, you buff yourself, you buff your, your allies, different things like that. And your yeah. position is also important too. Uh, you, are, you have to dodge enemy attacks. Um, what direction you're facing the enemy also matters. Certain attacks do more damage if you're behind the enemy to their side that's more so for the monk but even like the lancer there are a few moves where your positioning is important where mm-hmm. you have to be behind them to to do the most amount of damage yeah so when you combine all of this crap and this keep in mind my dragoon is level 67 i'm not even level 80 yet which is what which is when you have all your moves you have a pretty complicated combat system mm-hmm. and that's just keeping your own rotations in mind what what makes the the combat that much more engaging is that yes you have to worry about your own stuff you have to keep in track all the things that you know that you're supposed to do you have to dodge all the enemy attacks but that's the thing when it comes to dodging enemy attacks the game kind of trains you for like a large portion where you have to look at the floor and you have to dodge the area of effects on the floor and then eventually the the game will start like tricking you and then you have to start going <laughs> you have to look at the enemies themselves and you have to pick up that's more of like a character action type of thing to do or you mm-hmm. have to like we have to train the enemies themselves and you have to like pay attention to what their behavior is because then that's going to let you know like okay they're going to do this attack and it's not going to warn you you're not going to you're not going to know what type of attack it is 
mm-hmm. and give and it's not going to give you ample time to just get out of the way like yeah. they normally do. I think, you know, from your experience and stuff, what I love the most is, you know, you are correct in a realm reborn, just, you know, like the the places you have to avoid the AOE markers are marked on the floor a lot of the time in a realm reborn. And then when I, you I, would, get... I would say like I would say like ninety five percent of the time, and I can't even tell you what the other five percent was, just because <laughs> that is just like almost always what you just have to look out for. Mm-hmm. And then you get into Heaven's Word, and what's actually really fascinating about Heaven's Word is that they start playing around with the markers because all of a sudden your character has the AOE marker and a circle around it. So you're responsible for taking that AOE marker in a safe place where you're not going to hit anybody, you know, like that's just, and that's just one example. Right. And then they introduced the universal stack marker, which is the subject of many memes because a lot of newbies run away from people when they have that marker. It's literally yes. for, yeah, it's literally four arrows pointing at your character, which basically means that everybody around you should run towards you. Yes, huddle up. Everyone's got to huddle up. But like the thing is, at that point, you've been so trained to avoid, avoid everything, avoid everything. You see that. Even though they're arrows pointing mm-hmm. inward, you've yeah. still been trained all that time to just like get get out of the way, get out of the way, and it's like no, no, don't do that. Yeah, like people like running away from other people, and then you know, like me and my wife and Daniel are like, "Well, that guy is dead." <laughs> you know? Yeah, yep. And what and what also happens is, and I get, and I'm guilty of this as well, where sometimes you just get so caught up in in doing your rotation you get so caught up and like i gotta do this specific set of attacks so i can maximize damage and then you end up missing whatever the hell is going on and then you die Mm -hmm. like 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 for example a rock could have fallen down and you're supposed to hide behind that rock because the boss is about to do this attack that's just like a you know that either does like tons of damage or will kill you outright but because you're so razor focused on like I got to do my rotation, you end up missing that and you're dead. The game is constantly keeping on your toes. And that's kind of like where what you said what I really liked is that that's where kind of like the character action part of the game kind of comes in. And and why I feel as though anybody who has played other MMOs criticizing the two and a half second uh you know, global cooldown marker for Final Fantasy is kind of missing the point of is that the the global cooldown isn't there for you know to slow down the pace of the game. It's it's actually to force players to kind of pay attention to everything else that's happening because what's actually going to come out in terms of attacks are way faster than that cooldown. You know, and but you are right though because of in the way that that they train you, you're kind of forced to just kind of hunker down and be like tunnel vision to what buttons you need to press next. And then when Heaven's Word tries hitting you all of these attacks, you're like, oh, shit, I missed that marker. What am I supposed to do? (laughs) That sort of thing. So I've never played World of Warcraft personally, but apparently that complaint comes from old WoW players that are used to much faster cooldowns. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think what they don't understand is, yeah, it's partly what you're saying where the cooldown is also to get you to, hey, Pay attention. Don't just focus on your rotations. But again, I think it's also to uh, to get you to think more outside the box of just like instead of just waiting around, 
for the the global cooldown to finish, you could be doing other things. You mm-hmm. could be uh, doing other types of attacks. You could be buffing, debuffing. You could do uh, other things in between so that you could keep active while um, the cooldown is happening mm-hmm. rather rather than just sit and wait for it. Yeah, exactly. And which actually kind of, I mean, we also, we kind of touched a little bit upon like Heaven's Word in terms of its gameplay and how it, it's changed. But like, I'm, I'm kind of more, in, so you're at a point in the game where it's, you're at the Stormblood prologue of par- part of the patches. Yeah. And I, I think it, I think it's safe to say that uh, Heaven's Ward uh, has been mostly wrapped up. Not completely. There is like, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there is something that's happening right now that is still a vestige of mm-hmm. of Heaven's Ward. Um, yeah. But mo- most of the loose ends, yeah, have been tied up and now it's it's opening the doors to stormblood yeah and and the reason why i i want to kind of talk about heaven's word is because of one statement that i've told you time and time again that apparently your friend ryan has also said time and time again which is once you play heaven's word you will buy final fantasy 14 yeah guess what happened and yeah it's true you know when i when i hit heaven's ward and also i was about to hit level 60 and then that's when i was like at that moment i was like all right as i was actually level 59 i remember it being exactly level 59 and i remember thinking well it's time to put up or shut up so i did it and i guess like my question then is what element of heaven's ward kind of pushed you over the edge so to speak because like again I'm so far removed from the story of Heaven's Word. It's been at least four years, right? And and so I'm kind of curious because you've ex- your the experience is so fresh in your mind. Like what, you know, what was that aspect, that element of Heaven's Word that just made you say, you know what, complete edition, sixty bucks, I'm gonna get it, and I'm gonna do it. When I was going through a Realm Reborn, like I said, the story felt standard. It felt, you know. A little bit of been there, done that, but done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just before Heaven Word starts, and right at the very end of those post patch quests, there's a huge story moment that occurs that put me out of tension. And I was just like, whoa, mm-hmm. holy crap. And it, it really honestly blew me away. I did not think that the story would have like the cojones to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And before people, you know, are, you know, are afraid to like listen to this and stuff, we will not spoil anything. So don't worry about no. it. No, I'm not going to spoil anything. But I know what you're talking about. That was a big deciding factor for me because it kind of told me like, hey, we're not messing around anymore. Because I think it's also important to note that part of the reason why a realm reborn is the way it is is because they made a realm reborn while they were also maintaining the original final fantasy 14 mm-hmm. so um i kind of i kind of give some of the flaws of a realm reborn a pass yeah and uh i i think it's also fair to say that while they were doing the post patch quests they were also finishing up heaven's ward mm-hmm. you know that which probably explains why they were the way they were as well and i feel that heaven's ward uh 
made up for that because unlike the story of a realm reborn which was straightforward which was standard good versus evil you know um mono myth type of stuff you know uh tale of the hero mm-hmm. heaven's ward takes a very different turn heaven's ward is much more interested in the the history of ishgard and it's about um bureaucracy and it's about how it's about the people being set in their ways and it's about um not even just people it's it's also about like the dragons being set in their ways again i'm not going to reveal anything specific mm-hmm. but um a lot of it has to do with uh you know learning about the history of ishgard and seeing how history that occurred like thousands of years ago is still ha- like those effects are still reverberating even to this day and you know the dragons have been around since that time and it's it was really interesting to see like for them you know the stuff that happened thousands of years ago it feels like yesterday to them like the wounds that you know that they feel from that time that it still hurts even mm-hmm. now and and before you continue i i just want to point out that you know what daniel has been describing is not hyperbole like this is the kind of stuff that is talked about and really shown not just like talked about but also shown in even just from like the opening titles of heaven's word right like when you enter ishgard for the first time and you hear that narration from count fortom and then you see the heaven's word logo and you hear this really somber music and how destroyed ishgard is and you see all these poor people trying to make a living like these are all within the first few minutes of the expansion and like, you can't help but feel yeah. moved by what's happening you know yeah and this is even portrayed visually with uh the architecture of ishgard is very vertical and it illustrates this verticality you know, just like just by walking around and by and by having, you know, all the people and, it, you know, it, it's not even that, that obvious at first, you know, yeah. like usually you would think like it's, oh, of course, the poor people live at the bottom, the rich people live up top. But the way that the game is, is it, it shows it, it doesn't it's not that like super obvious. It's more subtle than that. Mm hmm. Yeah, and just like it, and the and, and Heaven's War is just full of stuff like that, where um, it's it's able to convey. It, that's what a Realm Reborn was lacking. It was lacking subtlety, and that is what Heaven's Ward brought to the table. It brought nuance to the writing, and another thing, like I was saying, that a Realm Reborn was a very straightforward good versus evil plot. Now, to be fair, there. There are shades of gray with the villains. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that villains in A Realm Reborn were just straight up evil. They were they were more so like, you know, they're called imperialists for a reason, right? Like, I right. think the name gives it away. Like, they do what they think is right, and they're doing it by force. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not really the case in Ishgard, where like the villains what they're doing is still wrong, but I think it's a lot more understandable where like what you're doing in Ishgard, it again, I'm not going to say what it is, but it threatens the very way that they go out, go throughout their lives. 
Mm-hmm. I know that I know that probably sounds like, you know, like whoa, really extreme. Like whoa, what the heck are you doing? Like mm-hmm. how, how could how could you do something like that to these people? And I'm not going to say because it it's complicated. Yeah, but that's the reality of the situation. And even though what you're doing, you, from your perspective, is the right thing to do, at the same time, is it really the right thing to do? There really isn't a straightforward answer. And I mm-hmm. think adding that grayness, I think adding that nuance, and I think adding that sense of hmm, maybe I'm not really like, yes, my title is the warrior of light, but you know, is what I'm doing really correct? That is what sets heaven's word apart. And I think that's what makes it a much more interesting and much more engaging story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would also, I would also say like Heaven's Ward's story isn't like a straightforward like it's it's I think it's the story is not something that is readily apparent what mm-hmm. makes it good like there there isn't like a single story moment where a dude comes out with a big sword and slices <laughs> a guy's head off and it's super cool. Like there's mm-hmm. not like these epic moments that like these grand grandiose, like, Oh my God, look at that. You know, moments. It's not stuff like that. That makes the story great. What makes it great is, you know, it's, it's when you take a step back and you, you realize what the story is trying to convey and you realize the big picture is when is when I went, okay, that's what makes Heaven's Ward's story so good. Mm-hmm. And why I felt by comparison, A Realm Reborn was kind of lacking. Where yeah. I felt I felt like there was so much more to chew on. There was a lot more to think about. And it not even just to think about in terms of the narrative, but also my actions and my role in the story. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I that I remember you mentioning while we've been playing, you know, which kind of ties together with what you said about uh, A Realm Reborn earlier in this podcast is that, you know, if A Realm Reborn was the part of of Final Fantasy fourteen where you do fetch quests, they tell you what to do, you go here, you do that, you go here, you do that, Heaven's Word by example, by, by comparison, excuse me, feels more of a journey. Right, and I remember you yeah. even mentioning that to me um, in the early stages of the story, where you know, obviously, not going to say the characters, but you go on an adventure with some of these characters, which feels so reminiscent of like SNES Final Fantasies, where you yes. know, down to yes. the part where you're camping with them and you're bantering with them around the campfire, and it feels like. You know, that's when your character stops becoming just an avatar and just like a, you know, a person to be given like tasks for, but you also get get to be a part of the journey and and where your warrior of light just starts to truly feel as if they are um they are truly part of this world. And I think that's also around the time when you decided yourself to actually change your your the gender of your character, I think, because I think you're think, th- saying something along the lines of like, I think like this kind of character is more appropriate in these scenes or something like that, or, but it just felt yeah, right to yeah. you. So originally I was playing as a cat boy mm-hmm. and uh, that was a remnant of when I very first tried to play that game. Um, 
when the trial was still like up to level 35. Mm-hmm. And when I replayed it, you know, I was okay with the character at first, but after a while, I started thinking like, I don't think this is the character. This doesn't feel like the warrior of light to me. Mm. So, so I decided to change it to uh, the dragon girl that I have now. Mm-hmm. I think the, the race is technically called the Aura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, whether they're actually dragon people, it's still, you know, up in the air, I guess. They they have dragon scales, but that doesn't they mean anything. They have dragon scales, and they have horns, and they have tails. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, and, and I do kind of remember that conversation we had when you felt like, when you said, like, it felt like a journey. Like, Heavensward feels like a journey, you know? And, and that kind of stuck to me because... You know, when you think about Final Fantasy, like, you know, there's so many ways to define a game series, right? And this is a topic that I love talking about because a game series is different depending on what you like as an individual. And I never really, you know, apart from the Chocobos and the Moogles and stuff like that, I had never really considered up until Final Fantasy 15 that, you know, Final Fantasy is about the the journey of its main characters you know like the hero's journey if you will and your compatriots and the camaraderie between the characters you know like final fantasy 15 tried to embody that but then you go to heavensward and you're with the these groups of people who mind you they're npcs right like they're not your character you don't control them like they have their own parts to play in the story and they feel as though it's one of those games. It it feels like a single player Final Fantasy because of how well those scenes have played out. And again, to reiterate what Daniel said, these aren't set pieces. Like there's there's not there's not even a single set piece that I remember in Final Fantasy fourteen and Heavensward that was like, you know, like I don't know, like triple A Uncharted or whatever, the Gears of War esque quality like cutscenes. Like even the even the cutscene towards the end of uh, Heavensward wasn't like bombastic like that, even though it had a lot of really cool parts to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like the bombastic parts are the boss fights, and that's stuff that you do. And again, mm-hmm. that's what that's something that was a carryover from a Ram Reborn that I still really appreciate. Where all the cool stuff that your character does is stuff that you are doing. You're the one going in there, fighting the bosses, and winning. You're the one kicking their asses, and that is what gets acknowledged. The yeah. fact that you went in there, and because of because you understood your character enough, you understood the boss well enough to defeat them. Mm-hmm. Not because your character did something in a cutscene. Yeah, and also I w- want to also kind of point out because because this is an online game, you do um, you do take on these bosses with other people. However. Yes the game contextualizes it in such a way that we're just, you know, like let's say, you know, Daniel is playing right now and I'm with him. He's the hero in his story. I'm just playing a bit part. I just happen to be there. I'm a quote unquote adventurer. I don't even, I'm not even called a warrior of light in his game. There's only one warrior of light and that's him. Right. Right. Yeah. You are the main character of your own story, and the friends that play with you are just that. They're your friends that Mm -hmm. are with you, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really interesting way to go about it. It is a little weird in in some ways, but I think overall it works. Mm -hmm. 
it is kind of strange if you kind of you know like deconstruct it you know like especially when we go into like 24 man raids where you're walking in in front of like 23 other people who probably are their own heroes and their own stories you know right like, yeah, yeah yeah especially when you do the um the a realm reborn uh roulette duty roulette like main scenario quest where it's just like you're doing um castrum meridiarum and yep. it's just like yeah and you're and you, it's just like yeah like freaking 10 15 people are just like hanging out and they're all warriors of light technically but you're the only you no you're the real warrior of light those guys those are just schmucks they're just hanging out <laughs> yeah those are just adventurers like who cares <laughs> They're just they're just adventurers that happen to be just as strong as you are, but don't worry mm-hmm. about it. But don't worry about it, you know. Um, and, and you know, and and now what's kind of really awesome about this is now you get it. Now you get why, uh, you know, Final Fantasy fourteen is the only MMO that I've ever stayed subscribed to since twenty fourteen. Like, it's you know, like there's so much depth in storytelling that. You know, unless, you, you know, you say otherwise or you think otherwise, like, I think it's, like, some of the best Final Fantasy stories, storytelling in, like, recent memory, wouldn't you say? In recent memory? Absolutely. I mean, not that it has much competition with, uh, <laughs> you know, FF13 and, you know, I, I, I never played through, I never played through 15, but I did not hear good things about the story. Yeah, yeah. It's I I, I don't want to spend time to you know to try to argue what or whatnot of like fifteen because I did enjoy my time with fifteen. It's not perfect, but like it's still a fun experience. But you know, sure. in, in terms of being able to evoke those feelings of playing a Super Nintendo like an old school sixteen bit RPG, right? Like Heaven's Word like hits all those beats like really well. And having, like, a villain that is not, you know, not just, you know, like, just a crazy villain for for villain's sake, but somebody you can also empathize with, right? And again, like, it's so difficult to talk about, uh, you know, specifics for, you know, for a story that's, like, several hours in. But I think, Daniel, you actually articulated um, your points really well when it comes to Heaven's Word storyline and why you like it. And I couldn't have put it any better than than how you describe it because it truly is a very engaging game both you know in all mm. aspects right like visually you know and like the music oh my god like the foundation music for ishgard like the first time you hear the the foundation song like the ish the ishgard theme it's like it is all this like these horns like that just kind of echo into the heavens like that's when you can kind of tell like Oh my god, this is not Final Fantasy. This this is Final Fantasy 14, but this is not a Realm Reborn, right? Like, what was yeah, your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember your experience of that? Because like I, I still remember like my first experience walking to Ishgard, and I'm just like like jaw like drop, just like how crazy and good the music is, and like you said, just the environment storytelling. Man. Yeah, especially going from a Realm Reborn where the where the world looks fairly beautiful. You know, you look at Gridania, you look at Limsa Lominsa, you know, even Ulda, even though Ulda is portrayed as being a bit seedier, a bit, a little bit grungier, it still has like a, its own kind of like uh, desert beauty to it. While mm-hmm. Ishgard is just 
dingy and dirty and rough. It's got an edge to it until yeah. you, you know, you ascend to the top and then you see like, you know, where the Royals live and, you know, it's like, oh, okay, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and like you said, a lot of verticality and stuff. It's, you know, yeah. I can, I can talk all day about Final Fantasy 14, but like, you know, we need to get Daniel to Stormblood first and I can't even imagine how you're going to react to Shadowbringers because everybody says Shadowbringers is even way better than Heavensward. So that's what I keep hearing. I keep hearing that Shadowbringers is the best expansion. So I have high hopes. Yeah, it, and it, you know, in hindsight, it really is like, you know, I one of the things that people use to mention to describe uh, like Heavensward was that it's a you know, it's like a 16-bit SNES RPG. Well, the actual writer of Shadowbringers literally, you know, took an I, you know, like was inspired by 16-bit SNES RPGs, and she sought out to to write the scenario just like that. And you know, just props to the Final Fantasy 14 team; they pulled it off. Like even the game feels like a 16-bit romp through, you know, through uh through the through Final Fantasy 14. It's crazy. To think that multiple storylines like these, with their own depth of storytelling, can exist in the same game, right? Like, once you get to Stormblood, that's a different kind of storytelling than they're doing in Heavensward. And of course, Shadowbringers is very different you know, than, than either of the three before it. And I'm really excited to see, you know, like how you're going to react to the next two expansions. Because, man, how many hours do you have right now in the game? 400? 300? I think it's closer to 300, but I haven't checked, so I'm not totally yeah. sure. Okay, okay, that's cool. So hopefully, I know that we've talked your ear off on Final Fantasy fourteen that it's at least convinced you <laughs> to try the game out. Um, you know, it is one of my favorite games. Probably, I don't want to, can I say that this is probably like one of my favorite Final Fantasies of all time? I guess I can. Like, it's Why something... Not? Yeah, because somebody actually asked been, me, like, "Dude, you've been you've been playing it for the past like six years." Yeah, <laughs> it's now that right? you put it that way. <laughs> and and you know, like I still find the time to to carve out some time in the week to be able to play it. So yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I mean, you still, you know, yeah, you still make time to play with me, which I appreciate. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, Stormblood! It's gonna be amazing. My goodness, if you thought like hell the, yeah. you thought that the AOE markers were hell in Heavensward, wait till you see the ones in, in Stormblood. My goodness. So, well, but, it's mo- well, it was mostly like the uh, the the raids that really put you know got me on my toes. Yeah. Oh man, but the the Evalice raids though in Stormblood, which you know, in case people don't know, like. Uh, Yasumi Matsuno. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking yeah, forward to it. Wrote an original storyline set in Ivalice, which is in, in which is in Eorzea, and essentially brought back some characters from Final Fantasy XII, and you know, like tactics and stuff like that, and infused them into you know a raid series in Stormblood. And let's not forget, like one of my selling points to you about Final Fantasy XIV, which is the near automata raids you yes. know in Shadowbringers, Shadowbringers. Yes, which, yes 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 which my god like it's so crazy so i'm not going to spoil anything but obviously there's that heavy sigh 
But you know how um, in earlier conversations that you and I had about Shadowbringers, and you weren't playing the game actively at the time, um, we were both questioning how Yoko Taro would infuse his Yoko Taro-ness of like narrative into the story of Nier Automata in Final Fantasy XIV. Well, mm-hmm. while there wasn't a new Nier raid that came out in this new patch that just came out, they did add an extension to the storyline for the Nier raids. And that literally like made answered that question. I was like, okay, so now I get it. Now I get how this is connected to the themes of the Nier series in general. Because that one that one quest that you had to do in the game, like just kind of really clarified like how this is connected to the themes of the Nier series. And and I was actually a bit thankful that they finally, after oh my gosh, at this point, after nine months since no, it's gotta be more than that. After twelve months of the the near raids existing like there's finally like that connection and of course the raids are super fun they're slightly easier than the ivalice raids for some freaking reason like you know the yasumi matsuno ivalice raids are way harder (laughs) so you're actually gonna really oh yeah because even like yoshi p basically said like oh yeah the near automata raids we're gonna tune that a little bit less you know little bit like a little less harder than than the Ivalice raids and i was like okay i mean granted you'll still die if you don't know what to do but like you know like it's to me like it's just really funny like how uh the Ivalice raids are still really hard like i think i want to say we ran uh one of the the last raids in the Ivalice raids about like 2 or 3 weeks ago and the entire 24 alliance like wipe maybe two or three times <laughs> like we actually stayed there for a whole hour than the usual half an hour that, that it takes to run those i was like wow there's a lot of newbies running these like these raids <sighs> but it's fun though it's it's that's it, nuts it's not four hours fun like in world of warcraft it's literally like you know the max you'll spend in a raid is like two hours if that you know, most I think I've spent in a twenty-four man rate is that much, like ha- like a whole hour. But we beat it, so it's all good. So it's a good, cool. Uh, it's cool. a good. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing it myself. Oh yeah, dude, I am just ex- just as excited. But um, anyways, so that it that I think that about does it for this episode of the Backlog Battle Podcast. And Daniel, you know, this is a this is just as probably just as bittersweet than you know like when we both sang bakamitai and tried to somehow not coordinate and and kind of recognize the fact that there is delay on discord <laughs> recording things and so yeah so a... it was going to be off no matter what we did so yeah yeah just yeah just leaned into it right and and you know like i do want to thank you for like the many years that you've joined us on this adventure and naturally like you know you'll be back you i'm pretty yes. damn sure there'll be another opportunity for us to talk final fantasy 14 which i i would i can only imagine it might just be Stormblood when you beat that one you know um but maybe sooner than that you know i don't want to i don't want to set any sort of expectations but I, you know so- i mean i mean if you decide to have my friend ryan seals codex 
Um, I'm sure you'll want to talk about Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 14 with, uh, with them as well. And you can invite me again if you want. Yeah. <laughs> we could all talk FF14 together. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, the, like, like I said, like, you know, the whole thing about, you know, this new season of the show is, you know, bringing, you know, so many different personalities from different fields, you know, even might even be community members, you know, to join us and talk about, you know, their passion for games. Because I feel like, you know, one thing that I would like this season to differentiate itself with from the previous seasons is that we want to kind of get to know other people from all walks of life and how they, you know, how they use video games as a way to enrich their own lives. And Mm -hmm. Daniel, you've shared so much of yourself on the show for the past, you know, two to three years that I can't even imagine, you know, like, you know, thinking of anybody who would replace you, which is probably why, like, we're just going to go for guests in the immediate future. (laughs) I I, I set the bar too high. It was too good. So now you're just like, forget it. It's just going to be a bunch of guests then. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a bunch of people, but really good guests. And over, you know, so that basically means that starting today, you know, the Backlog Battle podcast returns every week, you know, the same time, you know, same channel, you know, same feeds and whatnot. I will say this um, before I, I hand the reins to you, uh, because I do feel like you, you deserve the, the podium, if you will, that um, I am in the process of of essentially porting all of the episodes of the podcast, all 200, like 300 episodes, including the ones that are not called Backlog Battle Podcast, um, into the new feed. Because I'm actually, yeah, because I'm actually going to host it in all in one place now, which is really great. But that might, which which essentially means that instead of just seeing only 15 episodes, you're going to see the entire history of the Backlog Battle podcast from 2009 to today. Oof. Yeah, that's more than 10 years of podcasting with all our hosts, all the different hosts, all the different guests. You know, you'll be able to listen to them in one spot and unfortunately i have to do that by hand <laughs> every <laughs> single one but anyways, uh, that's rough but anyways daniel i i give the floor to you say whatever you want and then just tell me when when to chime in um well i just want to say that it's been a pleasure doing the podcast with you and i feel that we did a lot of great work you know, tons of hours, uh, you and I together just talking, uh, expressing our feelings, you know, agreeing, disagreeing, uh, just all of it just came from the heart. And that's what I think made our podcast good. And that's why it resonated with people. And I have full faith that even without me, you know, in every episode, you're still going to do a great job. And I look forward to not just, uh, you know, not 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 just because I, I was your co-host, but just because I, I believe in the podcast. I look forward to what you do with it in the future and now as a listener. So, yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. And you're welcome. And, you know, before we officially finish this show, I just want to say, you know, it like I said, it has been a pleasure um, being, you know, being a part of this podcast with you and you being a part of this show. And, and I'll, and I'll say this, right? Like no matter, 
who has been on the show or any sort of history, drama, disagreements, or any agreements whatsoever, like, you know, with anybody and anyone on the show, like, I still feel strongly that there, you know, these are the kinds of people who have shaped the show to be where it is right now, to be coming back, like, stronger than ever with a whole new host of people that you're going to meet over the next year or so. And, you know, and Daniel, I think, you know, being the person who starts off this new season and stuff, like, I can't think of any better of a person to be with to start this journey off with than you. So thank you very much for being a part of it. I can't wait until you beat Stormblood so we can talk the shit yeah. out of it on the show. Yeah. <laughs> and um and yeah, we'll we'll definitely see you later. And in case people need to know, you can find Daniel on twitter.com slash Shintai Reviews and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Shintai Reviews. And yep. all the projects that he's gonna be on, it's all gonna be there over the next year, two, three. It <laughs> all depends. <laughs> yeah, it it, it depends. Yeah, definitely. So until next week, guys, we'll see you guys later and uh, have a good one. Happy gaming. See ya. Take care.